We are back. That was California Nights from Best Coast. I love that song. We were supposed to talk with the band Con Brio, but we're going to have to reschedule for another time. And then standing by, uh, who's going to call in next to wrap up the show, is author Corbell Schaffner. She's an attorney and author of the book Almost Paradise, so she's going to call in it just a bit. And so we'll just uh, listen to another song, and then I think she's calling in right now, and uh, we'll get back right back into it. All right. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. All right. Standing by to join us is author Corbell Schaffner. Good morning. Hi, Janine. Hi. It's nice to it's nice to be on your radio show in California. Yes. Where are you calling in from? Nashville. No, no, no. Today I'm in Jackson, Mississippi, which was my hometown. Oh. Uh, I live in Nashville. Oh, nice. Very nice. You, yes. Do you travel a lot? Because you seemed a little confused where you were. Sometimes, you know. Well, but, yes, I do travel a lot, and um, I'm always confused as to where I am. <laughs> me too, and I don't travel a lot. <laughs> no, and I need a lady-in-waiting to just follow me around and tell me where I am. Oh, what, what is a lady-in-waiting again? A lady-in-waiting is somebody who just brushes your hair and zips up your dress. Like oh. in the old, uh, you oh, know, yes. royal historic dramas where yes. they just sit around and brush your hair and help you. You know, do nothing. Do this st- like like you're a big baby, yes. and they take care of everything. Uh, I had a friend who went to v- Vanderbilt, and she is from was from Memphis, um, and mm-hmm. I think she talked about that one time or another because she was late for school. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, things could always be solved by uh, having a lady in waiting on your shoulder. That's true. So let's get into mm-hmm. your book because I know we don't have that much time, but. How did you come up with the idea for this book? Uh, and if you could tell the listeners a little bit about it. Well, I call it a reverse coming-of-age story because Ruby Clyde has taken on all of the roles of an adult at too young an age. And I think that's a terrible thing for children to lose their childhood. So in the end, her, her, she doesn't really understand this, but in the end she she reclaims her childhood by finding adults that can help her and she has to learn to trust them mm-hmm. and i think that that's uh, that's kind of what it is but it's also a, a rumping rock and rolling kind of adventure with lots of sassiness i love it and i got I, I she came to me because i had just been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and i was all laid out with um steroids and worried about my children and i start writing and this little child just showed up in my room, dancing around, jumping on the bed, saying, my name is Ruby Clyde Henderson, and I am not stupid. And she was very brave, and she's very wise, and that uh, gave me a lot of peace uh, when I was worried, and it also gave me, um, I think, writing can heal. And Lee oh, Smith, yes. the great author, agrees with that, too. Writing can heal. I'm sorry, I interrupted. What was the name of the author you just mentioned? Oh, Lee Smith. She's an Appalachian okay. writer, and um, I saw her recently talk. She'd written a memoir, and she said, writing can heal. Oh, yeah. And I talked to her afterwards about this book, Healing Me, because I'm in great shape mm-hmm. for the multiple sclerosis stuff. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it helps. I, I, do, I do medicine, of course, and all the science. Yes. But I think that there's a spiritual aspect of healing in writing. There sure is. I, I love that you found yourself writing in the, the mind of a 12-year-old. 12 year, Ruby is 12 years old, right? She is 12 years old. And uh, when I first started, she was 10. Mm-hmm. And Farrar Strauss and Giroux, or maybe it was my agent, I can't remember, asked if I could make her 12. And I said, uh, yes, as long as she has no bosoms or uh, is not sexual at all. She has to be totally pre-sexual. 
and asexual. She's a, you know, she's kind of a boy girl, and she, uh, you know, as long as as long as it stays in this level, it doesn't matter whether she's nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Couldn't go much above twelve. Got it. Uh, but she, uh, she, I don't know why they they wanted it two years older, but it's it's really the same character. Uh, a lot of a lot of twelve-year-olds act like ten-year-olds, <laughs> but she's a ten-year-old who acted like a forty-year-old, so it all works out. I I have to back up. The theme of my show, "Get the Funk Out." I'm always intrigued. I love by, that. Thank you. I'm always intrigued. Here you said at the beginning, you came right out and said, "You know, here you're facing a health crisis, and where you find your solace is in writing." And I, yes. I, I thought that was incredible. And yes, you know, just I, so powerful. I didn't know that it would heal me, but it was so natural that uh, I, I just can't express it. It's not voodoo. I'm not talking about voodoo. I'm just talking about no. really, you know, healing. Well, I just shared something with my previous guest, who's also an author. And this past week, I spent uh, two and a half hours in a zone of writing an 1,800-word piece about my late dad, and mm-hmm. I just. I just felt like I just had to dump this out, and I felt so good. And you, and you, you go somewhere exactly. else. Exactly. Yeah. If you write personal essays, they are double healing. Oh yes. Oh yes. I, it was. It feels like an incredible accomplishment. So, so what has this process been like for you? What does it feel like to have you know written this book in a time of facing this issue with MS? Well, it 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 uh, it. Uh, what has it been like? Just like everything else, just like life. I mean, I did this, and then I, I have lived with a really good prognosis for a while. The um, the real big change in my life is selling this book and getting it out in the world, which is uh, just amazing to me that right. that people are reading it and and that they're relating. Uh, there's a good number of people talk to me about healing uh and, and, and like we were talking about, just putting your own self on the page helps so many things. Now, your background, you're a former attorney. How did you decide, you know what, I'm going to switch gears and become an author? I didn't. I was always everything. Okay. I am a dilettante. I thought you were going to switch gears and become an author, and I was trying to figure out what you were going to, no, how no. you were going to do that. <laughs> I, uh, I, well, as you know, I think from my biography that I dropped out of high school and went and traveled a lot. And then I ended up in Vermont doing avant-garde theater and classic theater, too. We did Moliere. Then I went to New York to be an actress. Mm-hmm. Then I decided that I needed to do something smarter. Yes. So I went up to Columbia University, even though I was a terrible student. So all of these things are not like... I just I, I flow a lot through... Yes. Things. So I was always all of these things. When I met my husband and married him, I went to law school. My family's all, always in law, and I love law school. I love law, but I didn't want to spend my life that way. And um, so I kind of went with my kids because I, I was having my third then. Mm-hmm. And always, though, I was writing. My first book was in second grade called Monsters Under My Bed. Aww. And I have a whole house full of books and whole, a whole bunch of short stories and essays that are published, and legal writing. I loved legal writing. You did. But it's not like I stopped being one thing and started being another Okay. Um, ever. I'm all those things. Okay, because some people do. Some people leave their life as an attorney, and they 
you know, open up a chain of very successful bakeries. I mean, it happens. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not a lawyer now. Mm-hmm. So so in, in one sense, I've left it, but it's not that organized. Mm-hmm. And you it's, said- just a, it's just, I didn't like it um, mm-hmm. because I, I had a great job and I appreciate it, grateful, but I didn't like measuring everything in billable hours. Mm-hmm. And I also am really conflict averse and so I should have thought of that before I went to law school, that I don't like to fight with people. But I'm glad I went. I learned a lot, and it helped me become a writer. No, because you could orga- you have to organize yourself when you're doing legal writing. Yeah, I had a roommate once that studied to become a lawyer, and she gave it all up, and I think she rented a cabin in Vermont, and she decided she wanted to write romance novels. And You see? Yeah, yeah. And she was not that a conflict person. Oh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Do you have any mm-hmm. advice for people that are going through a career or personal uh, funk and, you know, they're looking for something else? Did you say advice? Yes. I say, uh, you know, uh, I'm not much of a role model, but all the parents come to me when their, par- when their children drop out of college or don't go to college and so that I can tell them that it's going to be okay. Uh, my advice... What's all, I can just say what's always worked for me is that you, there's this thing about Ruby Clyde. She's very brave and wise and very spirited, and she doesn't need to know where she's going and what she's doing. Um, you do run the risk of making mistakes, but I found that I, I make more right decisions than wrong decisions in the long run. But what I... I think that it depends on what kind of person you are. I'm a person that throws up my arms and say, I quit, run into the wall, you know, get in bed, and then I stand up and do it again, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. And so whatever it takes to get you through those downtimes is legit for sure. Oh, yes. Um, but you do want to get back up. And I find that denying your unhappiness or your grief or if you deny the negative things, they will grow like moss and drag you down. So, you know, step into the, to the loss. Step in, particularly if you're grieving something, step into your anger, stick into your emotions that I'll never be anything. Mm-hmm. You know, so what? Go ahead and feel it. Yes. And, and then get up because you will be something. Oh, that is great advice. That is, I, th- I don't think so, I've ever heard anybody say that, so thank you. <laughs> I like that. Oh, I said something good. You did. You it was me did. And, not, and not Ruby Clyde. She's the one that says all the great things. Oh, it was not you? It was Ruby? No, no. I said that was me saying that, oh, not good. Ruby. And, she, and she's the one that, you know, has all the good things to say. Well, so I'm very pleased you do too. that you drew that out of me. You do, too. <laughs> and by the way, you said earlier you weren't that great of a student, but you must have been to get into Columbia. So No, as a matter of fact, that's not true. I had never graduated. I'd never taken a standardized test. Oh. And, and I had, and, I, and when I was in school, I was an absolutely terrible student. I didn't know you were supposed to do homework. I, did, I daydreamed <laughs> most of the time. And I, um, and that's why I wandered away. I just didn't get, I didn't get anything. But, you know, I'm sitting in Manhattan, and I had grown up a lot with all my adventures, Mm-hmm. And so I was just fool enough not not to know that I couldn't go to a place like Columbia University. So I went up there and I talked to them, and I begged them, and I said, if, you know, I said, listen, I have got 
a window of opportunity that's opening right now, this day, and I'm going to be smart. And if you don't let me do that, I'm going to be a waitress with bunions for the rest of my life. <laughs> and so they let me in. They gave me some assessment tests and mm-hmm. said that I was mathematically illiterate, but we could fix that. And uh, okay, then. and then I did my homework and I graduated with honors. And uh, look at that, you know, Phi Beta Kappa and whatever some of those yes, Summa Magna Cum things. <laughs> and but it was just because I did my homework, yeah. and I had no idea. That's so funny. But I can't believe they let me in. I think it's it great. was. But, you know, I was older, so, you know, they like to throw bones. People like to throw bones to people that are different. That's true. That's true. Well, congrats. Unfortunately, we do have to wrap, but people can find you. Oh, no, I want to talk to you all day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people can find you on your website. Is it uh, com? Yeah, but I don't blog or anything. I used to blog. I hate it. But I'm on there and Facebook and around and about. And, uh, you know, find me anywhere. Perfect. Thank you so much for calling in. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was author Corbell Schaffner calling in to talk about her latest book, Almost Paradise. It's been very inspiring, this conversation. If you missed any part of it, it will be up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And I am on Twitter at moms underscore rock. And KUCI is on Twitter at KUCI-FM, Instagram at KUCI-FM, Tumblr, blog.kuci.org. And we are on Facebook KUCI 88.9. That's a wrap for me. Up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. Have a great Monday, everybody, and I'll be back next week.